In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending September the 23rd, the presidential candidates are split when it comes to the Environmental Protection Agency's Waters of the U.S. rule. This past week, Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton told Farm Futures that she supports the rule that seeks to clarify the types of water the EPA can regulate under the Clean Water Act. Clinton said she would work with all parties to ensure common-sense implementation. She also said she was pleased that EPA maintained in WOTUS the long-standing exemptions for common farming practices. But farm groups tend to disagree and claim the EPA is ignoring the exemption. A target for agriculture, WOTUS is currently under a court-ordered stay. Thirteen ag groups are involved in a lawsuit, of course, against the rule. Now, Republican candidate for president, Donald Trump, said he would scuttle WOTUS in a statement to the American Farm Bureau Federation this past week. Politico reports Trump called the rule so extreme that it gives federal agencies control over creeks, small streams, and even puddles. Farm Bureau used a Senate report on the Clean Water Act this week to call on Congress to act on the rule. Well, following a 13-year ban on U.S. beef exports to China, the Chinese government has indicated the nation will begin accepting U.S. beef from animals less than 30 months of age. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association calls the indication a tremendous opportunity for producers. The U.S. Meat Export Federation called the announcement a welcome first step in restarting beef exports to China. The U.S. Department of Agriculture must now work with China's Administration of Quality Supervision, Inspection, and Quarantine to approve the certificates and protocols for exports. NCBA spokesperson Kent Backus said the announcement is welcome news and further highlights the benefits of trade in the Pacific. He said the open beef trade to China will expand further with passage of the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal, which was signed by the president and still awaits congressional approval. Well, the National Cotton Council's Keep It Clean effort claimed that eliminating contamination of seed cotton and lint is well underway. Dale Thompson, manager of marketing and processing technology for the council, explains why this effort is important. What we've heard from both our domestic mail customers as well as our foreign mail customers that they're seeing more foreign materials, non-cotton materials in our machine harvested cotton. It's not just us, but it's other growths of cotton around the world. So that means that we've got to be extra diligent to address these concerns and make sure that, that we're keeping these problems at a minimum. And this remains a huge problem around the world. We have the reputation of providing clean cotton, but we dare not relax our efforts in this area. We want to make sure that we continue to deliver bales of cotton to the textile mills, to our mill customers that are free of any material that might cause them a contamination problem as they spin and weave and knit yarns into cotton products. In other news, U.S. peanut exports set a new tonnage record on an in-shell basis this past year as shipments to China and Vietnam climbed to new heights. Tyron Spearman has the details. U.S. peanut exports have reached a record this year, 700,000 tons, according to USDA. That's 43% above last year. Shipments to China and Vietnam climbed to new heights, according to most of the export gains. Total shipments to other markets, though, declined 4% last year, primarily in response to the strong competition from Argentina, which impacted the U.S. sales to the European Union. Sales in China totaled 197,000 tons. That's an eight-fold increase over the previous year. A majority of these were low-valued raw peanuts shipped in shell and destined for crushing to make peanut oil. However, exports of uh, higher-quality peanuts for the food market were also higher. Peanut exports in Vietnam reached uh, 81,000 tons, a three-fold increase over last year. Unlike China, a majority of the peanuts exported were shipped as raw shell peanuts and not in shell. 
Despite the large increase in export volume, the total value of the U.S. export rose 26% to $656 million. So exports continue to grow for U.S. peanut farmers. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. And now here's this week's Georgia Grown Moment. For this week's Georgia Grown Moment, we have Cindy Norton discussing the outlook of Georgia's agritourism business. When I started with the department five years ago in this role as agritourism manager, and at that point we knew who the big players were and who had been doing it. Agritourism had probably been around maybe 10 years at that point in time. We had barn stands and we had corn mazes. And I think just looking at that and putting together a list and seeing what we had in the state was the biggest role and to help promote those, see who was out there and see how they were promoted. As far as Georgia Grown, we have been able to produce a Georgia Agritourism Guide that was put out that lists about 200 and something sites and just trying to help them work with the formation of agritourism trails where you could have several linked together and they could work together on marketing efforts because most farms couldn't afford to do a lot of things on their own but if they combine that effort it's much easier and then when they do get off the road they've got a brochure they've got their choices what they want to do they can look at the seasonal aspects because agritourism spans most all seasons there's almost always something to pick uh we can go through berry season we can have pumpkins in the fall we have corn mazes in the fall we may have some downtime in the early january seasons but we have christmas trees we have tons of christmas tree farms in georgia and so there's a large variety of what they can do there are farm stays where they can spend the night and go feed animals in the morning or tour the farm there are places they can go watch food being processed people have their choices of several places to stop Georgia Grown was presented the Bill Hardman Senior Tourism Champion Partnership Award to celebrate its agritourism efforts throughout Georgia. For more information, visit georgiagrown.com and find an agritourism stop near you. Well, Kathy Isom tells us how farm fresh eggs in the early days stayed fresh without refrigeration. We know that chickens have been around for hundreds of years, but refrigeration hasn't. So how exactly did all of those farm fresh eggs keep their shelf life without an icebox? History buffs like Jonathan Townsend created a YouTube video detailing the top six historical egg preservation techniques straight out of the 18th century. Those methods included burying eggs in wheat bran, covering them in shellac or varnish, coating them with oil like butter or an oil-like substance or rendered animal fat. People also used to bury their eggs in wood ash During experiments in almost all of those methods, more than half of the eggs went bad after eight months and had the musty aftertaste of wheat bran or those covered in the wood ash resembled that of a campfire. But probably the most successful method for preserving eggs was using slaked lime and a bucket of water. Johnson noted that after eight months, 100% of the eggs were still good. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder talks about how beefalo or buffalo meat consumption is growing. I still haven't seen any buffalo beef in markets in my area, but I had a feature news story recently about the growing market for beefalo. It's mostly in the states that produce buffalo, and there are several of them. Nutritionists say the meat is safer and healthier than cow beef. I just read that India is now a major beef exporter. Not cow beef. It's meat from water buffalo. India has more of these animals than anybody. That's not all. These animals are India's primary source for milk. They're bred for dairy purposes. They look like cows. They're slightly larger than the average cow. 
but they pose no challenge to U.S. beef exports. You see, it's an entirely different consumer market. Well, beefalo or buffalo, I'm in no hurry, but I would give it a try. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Greiner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.